What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Source Material Comics Podcast. No, we're not going to be talking you out of using drugs or anything like that tonight. No, That was the Sleepwalker show. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. This will be our contribution into the Super Blog team-up. Yes, the event that we wait for every... I think it's like two or three times a year. The Super Blog team-up gathers together a cadre of bloggers of podcasters, content creators, if you will, to band together under one theme. And this theme for the Superblog team-up is Superblog team-up goes to hell. And we, we bandied about a few different ideas. Uh, you had a, quite a few there under your belt for what we could do. What we landed on, it's uh, hellish in topic, I guess. Well, yeah. <laughs> in title. And that opening splash page. We're going to be talking Batman, Punisher, Lake of Fire. So there you go. That's that is how we are tying this in with Superblog team up goes to hell. But yeah, Evan Bevins is here. He's going to be helping me out. We're going to be talking about this this comic book. This came out in 1994, I believe, written by Denny O'Neill and art by Barry Kitson and James Pascoe, colored by Matt Hollingsworth, separations by Digital Chameleon. And Ken Bruzenak on letters. 1994. Now, there's two of these crossovers yes. between Batman and Punisher. What I soon realized is that they are connected. And I don't know if you knew that or not, but. I, I figured they were. Um, I haven't. I've got the other one. And if I if I get really ambitious and productive, I'm going to do a blog post on it. Okay. For my uh, sporadic missing links series because that counts as a missing link because it completes a, a collection I didn't complete back in the day. But this is the only one that I that I ever read. I, I'm not sure, but I think that I saw uh, this version of Batman, Azrael Batman, as bats, and was like, that's cool. And then I saw original recipe Batman, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> right. I, I'm not sure that's what happened, but uh, I, I've always preferred the alternate versions of the heroes have always been more interested in them nine times out of 10 than, uh, than the original. So that may have been what happened, or maybe I just didn't have five bucks to plunk down when the next one came out. Yeah, this is as bats, John Paul Valley. So I've got, uh, I've got a breakdown here of our characters. We're going to get into that here in a second, but let's talk about our creative team, mainly Denny O'Neill. 
My short little notes here are that, I mean, this Denny O'Neill is a name synonymous with Batman. Uh, he was the editor on many of those titles. Not so synonymous, though, with The Punisher. If you look at his DC legacy, Denny O'Neill has a ton of credits dealing with Batman. And also, as will be mentioned here in a few, he created John Paul Valley. He's part, part creator of John Paul Valley or Azrael. You know, he went over to the Marvel side of things and he was scripting Amazing Spider-Man in the 80s, the early 80s. And there is an actual annual, the 1981 annual, I can't remember which number that was, of Amazing Spider-Man did have a story featuring the Punisher in there. I know Frank Miller is involved in that same story. That That's kind of where Denny O'Neill stands. And these crossovers uh, that we're talking about, we have this one, which is Lake of Fire, Batman Punisher. I believe, printed by DC. Yeah, I think about. that's why Batman got the uh, top billing. And then the other one, the art on that's J.R.J.R. John Romita right. Jr. is doing that one. I can't I remember. Chuck Dixon wrote it. Chuck Dixon, that's right. Chuck Dixon's writing. And that one over there is published by Marvel. But you can find crossovers like this between these two, these two companies, Marvel and DC, scattered throughout the 90s. And of course, oh, yeah. Marvel versus DC happens in the 90s, which is three you know, times. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we'll ever get anything like that again. Well, but, they had to move heaven and earth just to get 7,000 copies of JLA Avengers printed uh, in honor of George Perez. Yeah. Year, wow. So. Anyway, what are, you, what are your notes there on Denny O'Neill? What do you have? Yeah, he, he's uh, kind of a legend. Um, yeah, most mostly known for Batman, but, but you're right. Co-created Azrael, according to this, wrote 100 issues of Azrael. Wow. Plus uh, three annuals and the one million crossover tie-in. I didn't know there were a hundred issues of Azrael. His career in comics started pretty early, if I remember correctly. The earliest one I'm seeing on here, Thunderbolt from Charlton in 1967, and then uh, Abbott and Costello number one, 1968. So late 60s, between 20 and 25 years later, he's still creating comics. He's creating characters, and he's doing a hundred issues of Azrael. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know if that was going twice monthly at one point, but my goodness. 1995 to 2003, it says. So eight years still on a comic. So he's, the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, he's a very seasoned vet. And yeah. he's still putting, he's still got quite an output here. Uh, also but, did uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow with Neil Adams. Uh, back from those golden days when comics weren't even a little bit political. <laughs> I remember those golden days, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because no politics in the uh, in the hard traveling heroes, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, mm -hmm. none at all. Not at all. Um, his longest run on Marvel, it looks like he wrote Iron Man for about five years. Okay, uh, four or five years. But then I had forgotten this, but he wrote my two favorite issues of Power Man and Iron Fist, including one of my just favorite comics ever. Power Man and Iron Fist went undercover as long haul truckers to find out why semis were disappearing in the Great Plains. And as you might expect, it was the Mole Man. <laughs> the Mole Man. And he also did an issue that I uh, I did a post on earlier this year where uh, Power Man and Iron Fist were hired by Moon Knight's friends to find him because Moon Knight uh, fell in a water tower. Got stuck oh, yes. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's done a, done a little bit of everything. Hmm. Well, he gets his shot here. To I mean, these are two characters. Azrael, this is a Batman for the 90s. This is a a more, I want to use the word, extreme version of the character. Uh, grim and gritty, the, even. Grim and gritty. I mean, he'll 
He isn't going to pull any punches. Knife um, fingers. He has right, right. He's got <laughs> these metal gloves that are. I mean, when you look at him, you could pretty much find just about every other picture of Azrael on the internet is him leaping towards you with his knife fingers. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty scary. Let me go ahead and I'll do the character breakdown here. So Punisher Frank Castle wasn't he based on the Spanker by Steve? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tune in, folks. Go back in the archive. You should be able to find it. This past Monday, Evan Bevins and myself talking the Cosmic Squish Principle and Howard the Duck and the Sensational She-Hulk. So, And the Spanker. Yes, the Spanker made an appearance. Frank Castle, you know, his family gets gunned down in a in the park. Uh, it turns out it's by some, some gangsters. And that spurs Frank Castle to become a one-man killing machine and a war on crime. So one of my favorite characters of all time, a lot of people who have heard me talk on this program have heard me gush about how much I love the Punisher. That's kind of the quick and dirty origin of the Punisher. Created by Jerry Conway, Ross Andrew, John Romita Sr. First appeared on Amazing Spider-Man number 129 from October of 1973. And then we have Jean-Paul Valley, the new Batman. Now, if you were reading comics in the 90s, you probably knew about the time when Batman faced Bane. That's Bruce Wayne, Batman faced Bane and got his back broke, uh, seemingly ending the career of Bruce Wayne as Batman. So a, a replacement Batman had to step into the cowl, and that was Jean-Paul Valley. You would have also known him as Azrael, a, vig uh, a vigilante going by the name of Azrael. Uh, he's created, again, by Denny O'Neill Joe, and Joe Quesada. Uh, first appeared in Batman, Sword of Azrael, number one, from October of 1992. And I was just looking this up. Batman Nightfall, that occurs in 93. Azrael's been around for about a year, maybe not even a year, at the time they decide to start doing the Nightfall storyline. You said you read Sword of Azrael, so can you kind of give us an idea who Azrael is and... Well, we first meet Azrael when he's a college student and vows to fight crime by adopting the persona of Gargamel's cat from the Smurf. No, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> that no, is I was like, wait. <laughs> we meet Azrael, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, as he's gunned down by a gangster and uh, falls out a window and drags himself to the apartment of Jean-Paul Valley, who it turns out is his son. And this was John Paul Valley Sr., and he's been going back. The Valley family have been uh, serving the Order of St. Dumas, who we find out from Oracle is not really considered a saint in most circles. So the Order of St. Dumas, they were guys that the Knights Templar found a little bit too extreme. They crusaded a little harder than the other guys. Um, mm -hmm. Not that religious violence is funny. So they were an offshoot of the Knights Templar, and they were this underground you know, society kind of getting involved and manipulating uh, different events, operating from the shadows. And Azrael was their uh, weapon, their assassin. The younger Jean-Paul had been, uh, I believe his DNA had been altered. He was a test tube baby. He had all this this programming in his, in his mind that when his dad died, uh, the order activated and made him the new Azrael. The gangster that killed his dad was actually um, a former member of the order, and so Azrael goes after him, and when somebody gets murdered in Gotham City, especially somebody wearing a costume with religious iconography and falling out a window, Batman's going to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> they go along and butt heads, but... It, 
the the order of St. Dumas, unsurprisingly, isn't the most uh, scrupulous of, of organizations. And, you know, Jean-Paul kind of winds up being taken under Bruce Wayne's wing. And then somehow, maybe because of a head injury, I, I swear I've read why they did this, but he picked him instead of Nightwing to be Batman, I guess, because Dick Grayson uh, wasn't as you know, mentally unstable as huh. you need Batman to be. I guess so, yeah. Wow. So, but yeah, I, I, I know there has been an explanation. I want to say it was something like Bruce didn't want to force him to take on the mantle or something, but he did later when Bruce died you know, for a little bit, and uh, he was Batman and Damien was Robin, so you had the grinning, happy-go-lucky Batman and the scowling, you know, dark-tempered Robin for a while. Oh. Jean-Paul doesn't have any powers. I mean, that's not anything well, he, that I see here, but tell me. He, he... He's an enhanced human, I, I guess. I was reading his his DNA was altered, so he, I don't know if he's quite on the, the Captain America level, but he can he can do more than uh, than the average guy. Okay, so at he this point. flaming swords when he's Azrael. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> he's got the uh, But he's I guess the, uh, the Batman inset. costume just wasn't stabby enough for him, so he uh, he took some liberties. I remember the Azrael like, gauntlets that had the big, like, uh, is that what you're talking about? The things yeah. that come out of his wrist, uh, it mm-hmm. looked like his wrist or the top of his hand. He's a really cool-looking character as Azrael. And even as Azbats, he, he looks, ba- he basically is blending the two to try and pull that Batman costume off. But it's like, you know, we're not, we're talking uh, when you compare John Paul to Bruce Wayne and their incarnation of Batman, like John Paul, is like all metaled up straight up. I think that's chromium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could say that it all, it almost looks like a robot. He, if you look at him, if you would have looked at him standing across the room, he looks like a robot almost because there's not really much there that appears human. Batman, on the other hand, is it's it almost looks like all cloth, you know, an all cloth costume. I'm sure, is, you know, padded body armor or whatever, but it's not. I don't know if you could see any metal on Bruce Wayne's Batman. Definitely a different take. And at this point in time, it's early. I don't even know. I don't think it's that that long that Asbats is, uh, which, by the way, folks, if you haven't caught on, that's how we're going to refer to Jean-Paul sometimes throughout this podcast is Asbats. But I don't think he sticks around as Batman for very long. Like, what is it like two or three years in continuity or am I wrong? I'm not sure. I don't I don't think it was it was that long. It, it seems longer than it was because, I mean, I always think of Reign of the Superman. I don't think Superman was even dead for a year. Right. I, I, I always thought of that as being so much longer. Next character on the list, and this is the, the only other character that I have of really big importance. Now, there's a kind of a small appearance here in this comic of somebody that's pretty important, but really the other main player in this book is Jigsaw. So Jigsaw is a main villain for the Punisher, created by Len Wein and Ross Andrew, first appeared Amazing Spider-Man 161 from July of 1976. Billy Russo. Those two have been enemies for quite a while. I believe, now, you know, they may have retconned some of this, obviously, on the the Netflix show, hashtag John Bernthal is my Punisher. They, you know, were, were friends. They were soldiers together. I, I got a reprint, one of these comics that I just read until it was in pieces. It was an issue of Marvel Tales, and I think it reprinted, if if his first appearance was Amazing 161, this would have reprinted Amazing 162, and it was Spider-Man, The Punisher, and Nightcrawler against Jigsaw. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, he was just a thug that, I, if I remember correctly, he was just a thug that uh, The Punisher threw through a plate glass window. 
got him all scarred up and got Jigsaw kind of fixated on him. Definitely involved in some organized crime. And uh, that's what kind of leads him to Gotham here. So uh, we've got Punisher on the trail of Jigsaw going into Gotham. And that's kind of where our story starts. So, all right. Jean Paul's having these visions. He sees this lake of fire. He, he hears St. Dumas talking about fiery water. He's taking it as a warning. He wakes up and he's, you know, he's kind of freaking out. But Jean Paul is currently Batman. That's right. Uh, and he looks to use all of his resources to heed this warning of, from this vision and prevent whatever disaster is about to occur in Gotham. He soon learns of a plot by Jigsaw to use an experimental rocket fuel that will ignite Gotham's water reservoir. This will allow his recently acquired construction company to capitalize on the repairs. His mortal enemy, Frank Castle, the Punisher, is hot on Jigsaw's trail, however. When Batman and Punisher meet, Batman puts aside his sense of justice to work with the Punisher to try and track down Jigsaw. But this truce ends quickly after they investigate a dead end and Punisher leaves the scene. Luckily, Batman finds Jigsaw and learns the details of his plan, stopping the water from igniting all of Gotham. This gives Frank the opening to confront Jigsaw, and as he tosses Jigsaw off the roof of a building, he is surprised to see Batman swing in and save him from hitting the ground. Tying Jigsaw up, Batman heads to face the Punisher. The two battle on top of the building, and as Frank appears to be losing, even after shooting Batman in his armored chest, Frank detonates one of Batman's own gas grenades, giving him an opening to escape. At the end of the story, the Punisher plans to continue the hunt for Jigsaw, while Batman cries out to St. Dumas, feeling as if he failed him. That's it. That is where we end this thing. Okay, so let me let me just talk about this the ending here. I'll actually read the ending. Punisher's escaped. John Paul's standing on top of a building. He's crying out. He's uh, he's angry. He feels like he failed. As, as it closes the book, it says, and in these long, terrible moments, he knows that a place of torment does not have to be a lake of fire. It can be a city that is lonely and filled with failure. Nor must the damned always shriek and moan. Sometimes they suffer in silence. So, okay. When you get to these DC Marvel crossovers, the biggest thing for me is like, how are they going to set it up? How do you mesh the two universes? Has Gotham always been there? Is there a transporter across dimensional barriers that Jigsaw finds and hops over into Gotham somehow? No, this is definitely a universe that's always been shared. Do you have like a preference there, Evan? Do you like the this the setup for like, hey, these characters have always been they just kind of know each other on the periphery and, and have rarely interacted with each other? Well, I mean, it does get get some stuff out of the way that you don't have to have a real contrived reason for, for them to meet. You know, I mean, heck, half of uh, JLA Avengers is set up for the, the two teams meeting in the first issue. But uh, but it's awesome. So. <laughs> you know, otherwise, if you're going to go interdimensional, why would you have Batman and the Punisher meeting? I mean, yeah, Batman goes anywhere, but, you know, they did a an entire series, Marvel Knights, where the Punisher, you know, stumbled upon some Asgardian stuff. And he's like, hey, Daredevil, you need to clean this up. Tell your friends <laughs> in the Avengers, this is not what I deal with. Uh-huh. So, you know, if there's a dimensional portal, Frank would be like, does anybody need shot? No. OK, I'm heading on out. So. I know when I was younger, I was like, wait, so they've just always been here. But it, it does get it out of the way. That's how a lot of those Marvel DC crossovers were. Uh, Superman and the Hulk was, was like that. Spider-Man and Batman, Daredevil, Batman. A lot of them just assumed that shared universe. 
if you are really, really picky about continuity, like me, you can say, well, this must have been like right before or right after Marvel versus DC, where the worlds were kind of merging. And so, yeah. Mm, okay. And that's at least as plausible as DC's crisis every 37 weeks. I'm sorry, 52 <laughs> weeks. But 52! For purposes of the, of the story, it makes it a lot simpler, especially with characters like these. I, I think Silver Surfer Green Lantern was kind of a prelude to Marvel versus DC, so they did have, like, the different universes. But, I mean, you know, those guys are flying through portals and other planets all the time. So mm. I, I was telling somebody after I read this, and this isn't necessarily a criticism, but but speaking of the setup, this is like the most mundane intercompany crossover I think I've ever seen. It really is. It, it's not bad, but if this was an issue of Batman or an issue of the Punisher, this will be a fill-in issue. Man. Like, hey, hey, Jigsaw, uh, Jigsaw's got a, a wacky scheme, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of like a lower-scale version of the Lex Luthor real estate scheme from the Superman movie. It's like, yeah, I'm going to cause this massive earthquake, and then I'm going to make money selling the new beachfront property. Exactly. Exactly, dude. It was so funny you're saying that because that's what was going through my mind is like destroying a water supply is not exactly something you could just come right back from. I don't yeah. think you're not going to be able to. I don't care how well you're going to, you know, your construction company is going to come in. You're going to probably need water in order to survive and make maybe maybe make some cement or something like that. But you've done destroyed it with this rocket fuel, which is a that's a weird concept in itself. But go ahead. Yeah, like He's not even going to hold the city for ransom. He's just going to charge him a lot of money to fix it. <laughs> and I, I don't know what what sort of construction equipment that only this company has, because as we've established, we're in a mashup of the Marvel and DC universe. So damage control is a thing. All right. Um, right. This is uh, this is pre no man's land. So it's not like if somebody in Gotham doesn't have the stuff, they can't just, you know, call over to Metropolis and be like, Hey, you guys uh, got a reservoir repair kit. We can, uh, we can borrow. The point was to get Batman and the Punisher together. Right. And right. Honestly, Batman and the Punisher don't need a big, grandiose, globe-trotting conspiracy. Batman no. and the Punisher, you know, battle organized crime, and these guys butted heads. So it's it's fine. It's a comic book scheme. Oh, man, do I have to pay Mark Radulich a dollar for saying it's fine? Um <laughs> It, it 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 works for for the the purposes we need it. There's there's some kind of scheme, and then you know the reservoir would create a lake of fire. Azrael has visions of hell because his patron saint just likes to judge people and send them to hell. Apparently missing you know the whole point of grace and you know the god he claims to worship and all that stuff. But hey, so you know it 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 does its job. Yeah. So jumping off of what you're talking about with Azrael uh, with Azbats, John Paul. Like I said, going into this, I didn't know much about him. I definitely didn't know about the weird religious St. Dumas angle. St. Dumas. St. Dumas. Mm -hmm. St. Dumas. Saint I say Dumas, but, you know. Dumas. Maybe um, I'm just a Dumas. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this religious angle. So, you know, it was kind of interesting to see. We started things out with this vision that he was having. But then, like, at one point in the book, the vision appears to him while he's awake. Like, he sees the saint there in front of him. I think the saint's like, you're an idiot. Do you not see, do you see fiery water around here? They're in a steam bath, of all things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is, so does that happen in sort of Azrael? Is he always dealing with that? Like, St. Saint, saint Dumas shows up? 
I don't I don't remember that, but I I think that is evidence of the uh, they call it the system, the programming in his mind. So I think that's, you know, some of the behavior modification or whatever. So I don't know how much of that is a hallucination and how much of it is stuff that's implanted to kind of manipulate him and get him to do what the order wants him to do. And he's kind of trying to rebel against that. But clearly it it's not not working. My second note, which kind of ties in with that, is like as you're reading this story, Frank has thought boxes. They're not thought bubbles. They've kind of, I think, gone away from thought bubbles at this point in time. But when Frank's inner monologue... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's going. You have some thought boxes up there. It's written in a different font, which is great. You know exactly if you're reading Frank's thoughts or if you're reading... John Paul's thought. Oh, wait a second. You're not going to read John Paul's thoughts because number one, this guy talks out loud to himself <laughs> throughout the whole book. And if you look at it, I don't think there is one thought box for Azrael, which makes total sense now because he is off his rocker. He was definitely strikes me as the guy who would talk to himself. <laughs> like he is just going through and talk, talking and talking and talking about stuff. And Frank's the only one that kind of keeps quiet and talks, you know, it, it's all in his head. But Asbass just lets it go. He just he's always talking out loud. And I honestly believe that that is on purpose. Yeah, because that that separates the mindset of John Paul Valley and Frank. Obviously, you've read a lot more Punisher than I have. I I always say I I tend to like seeing the Punisher played off of other heroes, you know, where he kind of challenges what what they do. Although I was trying to remember because I knew Asbats was rougher than than Batman. So I, I, I couldn't remember how how they played off of each other. But first of all, it's not often that there's a team up and Frank Castle is the easygoing one. You know, you, usually you're like, you know, okay, Frank, th- th- that guy just, you know, cut you off in traffic. You don't need to shoot him. But, right, put but your here, away. Frank Castle's like the reasonable guy. Yeah. What I wanted to ask you about that inner monologue, he sounds like like a detective in an old film noir. Is that yeah. is that how he sounded like back in the 90s? Or is this just Denny O'Neill's take on him? Because I that is not what I think of with, with the Punisher making these wisecracks and, and stuff like that. But... But I didn't read a lot of Punisher at that point, well, so I don't know. We, we actually just got done. It hasn't aired yet, but Dean and Derry and I did Punisher Euro hit. Okay. It came out in 92, if I remember correctly. It was seven-part series. This didn't feel ex- you know, that different from what we got in there. So when you're reading the Punisher War Journal and you, you know Frank is making his entry in the War Journal – that's kind of what this put me in the mind of is and if you look at it it looks like the inner dialogue boxes are almost like pieces of paper that are ripped none of it seemed out of place for me i'll just put it that way it's probably the easiest way for me to say it. nothing that took me out of this like denny o'neill d- didn't know what he was doing yeah um, well you know like he walks into the bar and says he, he's looking for help and the guy goes do i look like a bleeding heart and he goes no more like a bleeding armpit <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just got all, all I don't these punishersisms. Uh, I, I don't know if this was in the days of the comics code, but maybe that was the most insulting, disgusting part of the anatomy they thought they could get away with. 
Well, I mean, you you have the part where the where the nun takes him down with the poison holy water. He's like, I'm seeing triple, and there's a hot coal in the center of my brain. But or, or you've got where they go into the uh, to the Russian baths. It's not as if uh, Frank Castle doesn't know how to interrogate people. But they go in, they're looking for ex KGB people, and Frank's like, Hey, any of you guys spies? Right. <laughs> the Jeff Foxworthy bit about security at the Atlanta airport. You bullies ain't terrorists, are you? <laughs> Then he sees Batman reach into his utility belt, and he says he's got more pockets than a pool hall. You're you're right. Some of the stuff that he says is and very much a noir detective feel. Part of me wants to see John Bernthal delivering these lines on Disney Plus. I really do. <laughs> I take a hit in the arm as I'm pitching my blade. I aim for his heart. I miss. Dumb move number two. I take a second to watch myself bleed. <laughs> You know he ain't got time to bleed. He ain't got no time to bleed. Well, you know what's funny? Because my next note is John Paul Valley, not the world's greatest detective. No. <laughs> he, he is, he not. is a work in progress. Uh, he struggles throughout this thing, kind of like he sits there and he's like, oh, what do I got to do? And he's like, oh, well, that's right. I got like the Internet at home. Maybe I should go check it out, you know, because I got an Internet in the Batcave that I could actually look at. Yeah. It's such a different Batman. I mean, this is one that is definitely for the 90s. He's the one that's going to beat the information out of somebody very much like the Punisher. So I can see why, you know, teaming these two up are actually a, a really, you know, it's a really good idea or at least a great concept, in my opinion. And of course, Denny O'Neill, the guy who knows Azrael Batman better than anybody at that point, um, would would do that. But, you know, they didn't. They didn't take it, at, even though it's obviously not in continuity, they put it in with, with what was going on instead of just saying, well, hey, this is our shot to get Frank Castle and Bruce Wayne together. Forget forget Azrael. So that was that was a cool choice. And then, yeah, they wrote him where he was. Like I said, it's not part of the continuity, but it's it, it's in fitting with with what was going on at the time where he is this inexperienced Batman who's, you know, struggling to live up to, to the legacy and, and all that stuff. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they. He's almost got to be more skilled combatant than Frank Castle, but Frank is is experienced, and that that's why he he's able to to come out on top. So it's uh, it, as as simple as some aspects of it are that they, they do some cool things playing the characters off of each other. My uh, next little subject was Batman versus the Punisher. I mean, we actually at first it's like, hey, we're going to team up, and then we want to see these two face off, and we get what we came for. It's it's the opposite of like every superhero team up ever. Because right. what happens? They meet, they fight, then they realize they've got a common goal. Right. And instead, these guys meet, and Batman's like, "Well, hey, you're a wanted criminal." Punisher's like, "Yeah, but I can help you catch Jigsaw." Okay, let's team up. And then eventually, Punisher's like, "Yeah, this guy's a few bats shy of a belfry." He definitely used the noir, the noir detective line of. I'm a loner, if I remember correctly. I swear to goodness he said, I'm a loner in this book. Shame That's... on me. Maybe I should have given him a farewell card, but I'm a loner. <laughs> it doesn't show it specifically, but that was when Azrael was having his uh, his freak out yelling at St. Dumas, and I just imagine the Punisher going, yeah, okay, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm good here. <laughs> Time to cut ties with this guy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Now, at one point reading this, I'm like, so... So we've got Batman who has, you know, arguably the greatest rogues gallery in comics. And I know this is a different Batman. Right. But still, you're in Gotham City. Jigsaw is like Punisher's arch enemy more out of default. Maybe because yeah. he keeps killing uh, everybody he fights. I don't know. But so you've got, 
you know, all of Gotham City's rogues to choose from, and our villain is Jigsaw and some organized crime guys. Yeah, and you, it's not you, even like Rupert Thorne or Carmine Falcone or you know, or 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 the Penguin, you know, for for crying out loud, it's just uh, Reimer and Tony Bressy or or whatever. And uh, which, by the way, I did not look up either of those to see if they had a storied history in Batman. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. You ever heard of either of those people? I have not. There was a line, and I remember this line. You know, I mean, it's probably been. I mean, it's been twenty years. 20 plus years since I read this. So, but, but when I read it, I remembered it where Punisher's got the gun to Jigsaw's head and he's like, I'd ask who you were talking to, Jigsaw, if I cared. Maybe you ought to. I got real interesting friends. And then and now I flash back to Bugs Bunny with the big orange hairy monster talking about monsters are such interesting people. <laughs> don't know why. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just searched for Rhymer on the DC fandom database and the only thing, and the first result is Batman Punisher Lake of Fire. Oh yeah, no. Oh, hey, hey, Tony Bressy. Tony Bressy was a guy. Yes, he was. He he was a dude, and he 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 got he got around. But I don't even think he's in this. I think uh, I think Jigsaw got Bressy's construction construction company. company that's right. Yeah. He took over the construction company. Tony Bressy, by the way, uh, created by Chuck Dixon, and actually first appeared December of 1992 in Robin Three: Cry of the Huntress. He was nicknamed uh, Tough Tony Bressy. There was a. Uh, a brutal crime war between Tony Bressy and Killer Moth. Oh, so, Killer Moth. The guy who saw, um, you know, the Golden Age Green Lantern's costume was like, I can be more garish. <laughs> the other character that makes a very brief appearance. So Jigsaw is in mid-fall from this building. Batman swings in and, like, well, pretty much kicks him through a, a window into another floor of the skyscraper, ties him up. And as, he's t- as Jigsaw's tied up, who shows up? The Joker. The Joker. For like what, five panels? Yeah, two whole pages. That's not very many, but the Joker yeah. and Jigsaw are in league with each other. Yeah. And now I know the Joker is on the cover of the Punisher Batman one that that, that follows up on this. So I, so I assume it uh, it picks up on this this story thread. Because otherwise, are why, why would you have the Joker in there? Uh, there, there's no explanation other than, yeah, they're working together. But my final note is actually like if you were picking this up off the shelf and you thought you were getting a one story deal here. Well, it's not like it says to be continued at the end of this. Thing. Yeah, it feels like there's so much left on the table in this story because Frank really doesn't get a hold of Jigsaw. Jigsaw's tied up, but Joker shows up and rescues him. So the next story is called Deadly Nights. What I read up a little bit on this. It's been a while since I read it. I own both of these, but yeah, I, I still haven't haven't read it. I'm planning on reading it this week and gonna do a, a tie-in post thing on it. Yeah, basically, the Punisher comes back to Gotham a couple months later, and he's still looking for Jigsaw. So, as you remember, original recipe Batman is involved this time. Yeah. So, and it's written by Chuck Dixon, which is very familiar with Punisher. I read like the first few pages and I can tell you it, it definitely feels like a Punisher story right off the bat. Penciled by J.R.J.R. and Klaus Jansen. That to me feels like the stronger creative team, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. regardless, you know, it's Denny O'Neill. He, he's he gets his D.C. as bat story here. The only other note that I have is a question for you. But at the end of this book, is John Paul upset because he didn't 
like win the fight against Frank and take him in? Is that what you? Why do you? Why is he so upset at the end of this? Yeah, fight? yeah, because he he lost to to Frank, and then Frank you know used the uh, the gas grenade, and then says, "Hey man, I cheated. Okay, dumb, but I had to say something." Mm. I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not used to uh, Frank being thoughtful either. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole underlying thing. He's trying to live up to Batman, or even be better than Batman, and then you know he he can't even take down the Punisher, who to him is you know a little more than a than a just a run of the mill criminal. Yeah. In, in in his eyes, probably, and he just uh you know it's like he he stopped the the lake of fire plot by knocking the burning liquid harmlessly into the street. I don't understand it. I I'm sitting there thinking, okay, at one point they actually kind of talk about how it separates the hydrogen from the oxygen and water and ignites it, which I didn't look up the science on that. But in my head, I'm sitting there thinking, well, oxygen is definitely flammable. And I'm pretty sure hydrogen is flammable, too. So there might be some, you know, some credence to uh, some type of chemical that could do that. But I would imagine that, you know, you're going to run into a big cleanup anyway, even even though we subverted it like he did, just like you said, it went all over the streets. Yeah, and it actually says it splashes harmlessly into the streets. But again, I'm missing the, the forest for the trees because it wasn't about the pseudoscience of, you know, rocket fuel burning water. It was about Batman and the Punisher, uh, a rookie Batman and a grizzled Punisher coming at the same uh, case with different methods. That was... Right. That's the that's the point of the story, not how well the rocket fuel plan worked. <laughs> rocket fuel. Uh, all right. Well, hey, that's all I have, man. What are your notes here? You got anything else we didn't cover? We, we went went through a lot of a lot of my notes. Punisher being the wacky member of the pair, and you know, <laughs> John Paul was the straight man. That that that's that's about it. It, uh, okay. it, it was kind of kind of slight, not bad, but just it's like I mean, you know, four ninety five is what you pay for some regular issues now, but this was, this was, this was a big deal back then. And I, I don't know. It just didn't, it wasn't a bad story, but it just felt pretty, pretty run of the mill. So I'm, I will, I'm curious I, to go through and read the other one and see, uh, see what else they did with it. We didn't get it here and it would have been awesome to see Frank run into the Joker. Yeah. That would have been great. Doesn't happen. I'm, I'm curious to see the only interaction I've seen between Bruce Wayne and Punisher was in the uh, JLA Avengers where they're exploring the, the justice league comes into the Marvel universe and they're just observing and Batman's like, okay, you can't interfere. You can't interfere. You can't interfere. And then he sees the Punisher shooting some criminals and he just gets the scowl on his face and goes <laughs> after him. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of bruising through the book just to see if there's any other thing that sticks out to me. Punisher gets to ride in the, in the Batmobile if I remember correctly. And he was kind of impressed. Yeah, I remember in the Batman Spider-Man crossover, Spider-Man made a big deal about uh, riding the Batmobile. But my favorite Marvel character in the Batmobile is when uh, in Marvel vs. DC, when Gambit and Wolverine found themselves in Gotham and uh, Gambit carjacks the Batmobile. (laughs) Does Frank kill anybody in this? I don't think so. I mean, we get the we get the gas. um, He tries to kill Jigsaw. Tries to kill Jigsaw. I mean, he shows up at the bar. He lays some dudes out. He points a gun at a guy, but he doesn't shoot him. And, and wow, you talk about, I didn't even write this down. I forgot all about this. But 
when he's got the guy at the bar and he just Frank randomly grabs the piece of paper because the guy is trying to hide. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, got a, I can't remember if it has a list or it has something on there that is like essential to the Punisher trying to figure out a clue (laughs) that's going on in this thing. And I'm like, he didn't even know what he was getting a hold of at the time. And it's like so important, (laughs) but I don't, I don't know if he kills anybody. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I don't think he does. I, I, I do think we we mentioned briefly because you said it always seems like Asbats is jumping towards you. That is a nice cover. Oh yeah, it's not super dramatic or anything, but it's just. I mean, it it just sums up both characters. It does. You know, it's, it's it's just very effective. I mean, it's not one of those iconic covers you're going to see homaged all the time. You tell me a better cover you could have come up with for for these characters. Right. Right. Yeah. It's. Got Probably last window, the fire for Lake of Fire. I mean, it, it it's a good cover. Some of these artists probably were just so they, they were in, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use a, a, a phrase from Appalachia. They were probably in hog heaven <laughs> uh, when they were told, hey, do you want to do a cover for, you know, these two characters that have never crossed paths before because they're from two different companies? Kitson and Pasco did the cover. I'm sure they just they loved the fact that they're the ones. There are so few published pieces of art that feature two characters from two different comic book universes coming together. It's very yeah. rare. I've always talked about how much I love crossovers because it's such a it, you, you see stuff like this happen. And it's it's a neat way to watch somebody try to weave a tale. Uh, that brings these two characters together. This one, yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I mean, it does feel like it, it's it got a little bit of the mundane mixed in with some of the fantastical when you're talking the rocket fuel formula. It was a tale that was told. I guess that's about as far as I can go. I'm still and scrolling I mean, if, through. If go these ahead. guys were sharing a universe, this is how they would you know, most likely meet, meet up. So There's nothing in here. Not bad, really- just not, not necessarily what I, what I expected. Right. And, and I wasn't completely taken out by these two interacting with each other. They both felt like they should, in my opinion. I think both characters were written like they should be. I don't think anybody got killed. I don't. I don't I think one think person got killed. Unbelievable. Don't so, sound so disappointed, Jesse. <laughs> it's a Punisher comic. Let me. Know, I, I can tell you the. Well, first I guess two, in that way, Azrael did win. They make up for it in the first two pages of the next comic. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chuck Dixon was like, okay, look, you guys missed something pretty critical. I'm going to drop all the bodies you guys failed to. (laughs) There's people laying in puddles of blood everywhere. Ah, it's beautiful. All right, man, we did it. We talked about it. We done did the coverage of Batman Punisher Lake of Fire right here for the Superblog team up. All right, Evan Bevins, why don't you go ahead and start us out here, man? You have a blog that you do. You do some other podcasts too. Why don't you let? Why don't you go ahead and let uh, everybody know where people can find you? You can find uh, my writing at asterisk51.blogspot.com, where hopefully I will have the follow up on Punisher Batman in in the not too distant future. But right now, you can uh, hear about the time I uh, taught a Sunday school lesson using a clip from Hellboy. And uh, whether that aged well, <laughs> I cannot wait. Cannot wait to read about that. So, like I said, I'll have um, the Punisher Batman follow up, and then I'll get back to my regularly scheduled programming of going through uh, Secret Defenders, which uh, had had your your boy Frank Castle hanging out with Namorita and Sleepwalker on wow. the trail of a supernatural serial killer named Roadkill. 
Nice. So uh, that, that 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 was a ways back. Now we're into the era where Dr. Druid is in charge of the Secret Defenders. And, oh, uh, man. It's not, not really going well. <laughs> I mean, for Dr. Druid, the stories are, are fine. And that's that's the point that he's he's yeah. not so good at this. Yeah. So so we got that. Um, I did. Uh, I do a feature called Dollar Tree Cinema because if I didn't write about all the movies I buy at Dollar Tree, it would just be hoarding. And so I found one with Aldous Hodge, who's now appearing in in the Black Adam as right. Hawkman. Right. And uh, so found found a, a true story he, he was in. And this, this movie is called Brian Banks. Um, a true story about a guy that was a rising football star and got sent to prison for something he did not do. It's, it's, it's pretty good. And, and yeah, Hodge is is an excellent actor. So uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff stuff I write about. Um, coming up soon, I'll be doing another episode of The Brave and the Bob with with our, our mutual friend Billy over on yeah. Monsters and Magazines. Um, we go through some of the uh, crazy, crazy, crazy issues of Brave and the Bold, written by Bob Haney. Just some great, crazy, fun comic book stuff in there. I mean, I, I, he, he's had me on a, a couple times, but he has a lot of great guests on there, and those are always a blast to listen to. Yes. Let's just start out with the Superblog team-up, okay? This, like I said, is our entry into the Superblog team-up goes to hell of devils, demons, hell, and hellscapes of heroes and villains, and maybe even hot stuff. That's right. <laughs> There was some hot stuff in here. We had the Lake of Fire. That counts. Lake of Fire. A saint tormenting people with his sword of flames. Yeah. Come on. Just like Jesus. No. <laughs> Between the pages. Could there be a blog, nice Christian in one of these stories just one time? Just once. Just once. <laughs> We're going to run down who is participating, at least uh, from what we can see here. The, the anticipated participants of the super blog team up so here we go between the pages blog hostess comic book ads where hot stuff is going to be the title of what you're going to be reading there on between the pages blog.com magazines and monsters they got a bonus episode of marvel spotlight 12 and 13 uh a little looks like it will be featuring the man who got this all together charlton hero telltale mind uh, is going to be looking at patsy walker to hell and back and back and back uh, over at the telltalemind.com yeah. uh, mark, mark did a did a hellcat uh, episode a couple years ago i remember that yeah patsy patsy walker i remember that mark radlich he's going to be doing an alternative commentary on hell comes to frogtown i think i don't know if pat mullen jo- joined him on that one or not i think he might have but regardless, uh, tune into the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network. You should be able to he- have a good time listening to those guys talk about Rowdy Roddy Piper and Hell Comes to Frogtown. Then Ed Moore is pre- planning on putting out Newsprint Commando, Rex Zombie Killer from Bad Dog Inc. slash Panda Dog Press from 2013. Dave's Comics blog is going to be giving us Superman, The Blaze slash Satanist War. In my not-so-humble opinion, Savage Dragon Goes to Hell. I will be reading that first. Sorry, Evan. <laughs> uh, you can check out the BenjaminHerman.wordpress.com okay. to find that. <laughs> then we have the Comics, Comics, Comics blog, The Son of Satan and the Preacher's Kids. Will looks at Son of Satan and the Defenders. Should be a good one there. Superhero Satellite. That is Charlton Heroes Jam. Spider-Ham in the World of Licensing Hell. Relatively Geeky presents number 43, Afterlife with Archie. Issues not one through six. Good book i think oh my gosh yes so that'll be a good time i'll tell you the easiest way folks you want to follow up on any of this when this hits if you're listening to this then go to twitter type in hashtag sbtu that's s 
as in super, B as in blog, T as in team, and then U as in up. Super blog team up or hashtag super blog team up. Uh, you should be able to find just about any one of these contributions that are happening on this day. We're going to be retweeting everybody. So if you're following one of our Twitters, I'm certain that you're going to be able to see something from these other people who are providing us with some entertainment for super blog team up goes to hell. I encourage all of you to go check out everybody else's contribution. Uh, great reads and great lessons. I'm sure. So with that being said, we are going to get out of here. That is Evan Bevins. I am Jesse Starcher hashtag super blog team up. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.